live long and prosper. I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into mortal. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole Kermit Frog. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 103 of A Play on Nerds. We're so excited to be bringing it back to you guys more regularly, more on a weekly basis. I'm just loving it. What about you? My co-host, Jarman. (laughs) That was terrible. I I just sold you out there. I apologize. Jarman. (laughs) That's me. And I'm Steve. Hi, Steve. We're the hosts, and we're going to rock it. It's going to be so much fun. Absolutely. I'm so glad we can do more episodes uh, more frequently, Uh, which is funny because (laughs) what we'll get to in a minute is that I'll be out of town for like two weeks, but we'll get to that in a minute. That's true. We're going to have a hiatus, but you know, now it feels like we've earned it. Exactly. But what are we going to be talking about this week, Steve? So this week, in honor of Venom hitting the theater shortly, we decided that you know, there's already a Venom that I remember from my adolescence. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, that's the Venom that was in Spider-Man 3. Toe for Grace. <laughs> Toe for Grace. And we are going to talk about Spider-Man 3 uh, and about the opening act of Venom and how this new film couldn't possibly be worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They don't have a lot of uh, lot to make up for. They can just do it pretty easily. It'd be better. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, and reviewing Spider-Man 3, the classic later. So join us for that. But in the meantime, Jarman, what the heck have you been up to? Well, it's only been a week, but I did go to a uh, a wedding at the local farmer's market in the Winter Park area of Florida. It's near Orlando. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's place been there forever, but uh, it has a lot of weddings. It's just like this big, like open space, kind of like an airport hangar. Um, oh, I, I have performed in that <laughs> building. I think I did, too, with you at one point. Maybe. Um, yeah. So, so how was the wedding? Well, it was just like your standard wedding, uh, open bar. But the weirdest part of this wedding was that the bartender, we were, we were seated at a table right mm-hmm. next to the bartender. And for some reason, he knew exactly what we all wanted to drink and was constantly had a drink ready, like as soon as we needed it. He was like watching our table. So we got unbearably drunk. <laughs> just, <laughs> we weren't Good. trying to. Good like work. I wasn't making an effort to drink that much. But like I'd get up casually and he'd already have one waiting for me full and ready to go. And then he, when we were trying to leave, he kept offering us shots. Our group of people just like, I was like, oh, okay. So we'll take whiskey sour shots and stuff. And I was like, well, I wonder if the wedding, you know, the booze was paid for and it, they just bought too much or something. Maybe, but he w- didn't seem to be doing that to anyone else. Just like our table guys, we were close by. He could see how our drinks were doing. And I was like, okay, this is fine. Oh, I, be- I bet you he thought you were cute. Maybe, maybe our whole group. <laughs> but, uh, and then I went to a, <laughs> a, a skating party, a birthday party for a friend of ours who's turning like 27, but he, uh, decided to rent out the local uh, summer on skateway. And, uh, for two hours, just the whole, our party was the only people in there for two hours. Uh, and just skated around like we were in high school or middle school again. And, uh, it was pretty silly and fun, <laughs> but, uh, nice. 
But then coming up, I have a trip to Europe, which I've talked to some of our listeners about, or from my uh, podcast buddies who live in England, because uh, I'm going to London first for three days and then going on a cruise oh, that's right. that will leave from Southampton, England, and then go to um, the northern France, then to uh, to Amsterdam, and then to uh, Bruges, and which is in Belgium, and then to uh, uh, Hamburg, Germany. And then back. How to, many days? Like how quick is this succession? <laughs> so it's a seven day cruise, and it's a so three days in London, then seven days in the cruise, and then we fly back to Orlando. Uh, but it's so I, you hit one city a day, kind of. Uh, so Amsterdam, we stay at, overnight at, at port, um, and so we, that's the longest stay we have. And then there's a couple days that are just at sea, uh, like after Hamburg, okay. it's a full day back at sea to get back to Southampton. Um, and after Amsterdam, it's like a full day at sea just to get to the next location. So there's a couple of days we'll just be on the ship and there's like entertainment and free buffets and we bought the unlimited booze package and all that yeah, stuff. You did. <laughs> so it's, I've never been on a cruise like this before. I've been on one cruise before for like a weekend and it was not very good. So this is kind of exciting. Yeah. We've been thinking about checking out one of those cruises where they just take you like a day out and a day back. Cause we don't know if we're going to like it. Yeah. It's a good thing to try it out first. Because yeah. this is going to be, it's only $600 for a seven-day cruise. Can you believe that? All, That's incredible. All the food included. Wow. So the booze was extra. Well, eat, but, up, you, eat up, you tubby bastard. <laughs> oh, I will. I've been working out like crazy before <laughs> this, so I can take good pictures at the beginning and then just eat like crazy the rest of the trip. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then just slowly stain your shirt. Just <laughs> mustard <laughs> everywhere. I'll be eating pasta and somehow mustard gets on my shirt. <laughs> I brought one shirt for the boat. <laughs> It's got every stain I collect on it, but that's why I'll be gone for like 11 days. So we might have a little short hiatus for the podcast, but you guys are pretty used to that in the past. So it should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what um, have you been up to Steve? So this past weekend I was kind of still nursing my back a little bit. Oh yeah. Is that better uh, now? Yeah. Yeah. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we, we went to uh, the South of first Avenue or sofa street fair in downtown San Jose. Um, and really what this suffer this event suffers from is that uh, the morning is like a community bike ride thing. And then the, the event doesn't start until two. So the event starts in like the heat of the day. <laughs> so we get there at two 30, everybody is just sweaty and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think that through. There's bands playing. It is too loud for Joyce. Pretty much every, like they've got, three band stages set up within four blocks so you can't escape the noise anywhere with a child (laughs) uh so we didn't stay long we made a quick hitch over to the children's museum and hung out there for about 30 40 minutes not too long and then headed home she loves that thing oh she does um but my about the back i've had a new experience and then i went to the chiropractor oh how was that your first time uh yeah i've been three times actually nice uh because my insurance covers it <laughs> even better. Um, so yeah, I went to uh, see three times and the adjustments were, you know, here's the thing about it is that some of it's kind of like mumbo jumbo to me. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem I've had with it. It's like, yo, you got to align it. And then the energy, let me run this thing. Oh yeah. There's electrical impulses, not and that part. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the part that I am digging is, um, you know, the adjustments feel good. They just, they feel good. Right. Um, but then at the end we go over like, you know, things I can do. It's helpful. 
stretches I can do in my office and that kind of stuff. And that is really what's been helping me out. Nice. More than anything, that part is what's been helping me out. My chiropractor never gave me those, those advice. So I'm upset. Yeah. I mean, mind you, this is at Apple at their health and wellness center. Oh, look at you. That's right. So I, and I literally just walk out the door and I'm there in five minutes. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah. They want to keep people working, dude. Well, that makes sense. That's the yeah. key. You put a giant actual medical center there. Your, your employees will never leave. Uh, so do they do that big crack where they take your leg over to the side and kind of shove down your leg. No. So we've done a couple like center of the back kind of things. Hmm. Uh, and then where they like twist your hip and then push down on like your butt. Right. And like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those were fun. Uh, the one I did not dig. Have you ever seen an activator? What is that? Okay. So it kind of looks like, um, kind of like a corkscrew almost, but it's not sharp and it doesn't hurt you. Uh, but the idea is they pull it and it clicks and it releases this little jolt down this tube i'm not describing it well but essentially what it accomplishes is the pressure of a flick like a finger flick just in your back huh and they're like this is gonna send signals to your brain to reactivate these muscles i'm like so flicking me in my back is gonna fix my back (laughs) so there's there's some parts of it where i'm like "Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) okay whatever you say as long as you do the like adjustment part i'm good (laughs) whatever else is fine I couldn't stand the electrical like nodes they put on you that make my back itch. It didn't do anything for me. Oh, I didn't know none of that for me. Yeah, they're not fun. Some people love them though. My stepdad loves those things. I'm like, they just make my back itch. That's all it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but that's what that's what I've been up to. Some new experiences in life. Yeah, I'm glad it's uh, helping you somewhat. Yeah, I hope so. Hope it lasts. Uh, and that takes us into some nerdy news. Ooh. It's time for. Nerdy news. All right. So uh, I guess I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, So I don't have a cheeky story because I'm just tired. (laughs) Understandable. No no other reason. I didn't think about it until this moment. It just didn't happen. Uh, Okay. Here we go. You're going to call it God darn it. There we go. Perfect. God darn it. Uh, and it's that uh, you, uh, Burt Reynolds passed away not too long ago, as we mentioned, and your mom liked. Right. Um, and he was in uh, Tarantino's next film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, playing a role. And Tarantino had to fill the role, and he brought in his old faithful, Bruce Dern. Laura Dern's in, dad. Laura Dern's dad in to, to play the role. And he's done tons of Tarantino stuff. They worked together before. So it's it's an it's an obvious choice, but yeah. but the role will be filled well, Bert. Don't worry about it. I don't think he's worrying about anything right now. And that has been God darn it. <laughs> that was a quick tired story. <laughs> I'm tired, dude. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's almost for those of us who listen to other podcasts, uh, a lot of nerdy podcasts. This is pretty. It's been out there a lot already, this news, but I was so excited by it. I had to do it. Uh, Planet Vulcan has been discovered. Have you heard about this? No. So 
a long time ago when they were trying to do research to where the, the Vulcan planet could be uh, realistically, like scientifically, because Star Trek likes to be, you know, try to be realistic, be like hard science mm-hmm. fiction. Uh, they researched and found a star that we had discovered a long time ago that was a a, a big star, but it's like a brown dwarf, I think it was. But it's basically where it's um, it doesn't burn as hot, but it's so big that it has the equivalent of our sun, basically. OK. Um, and so they said technically that that could that could be a place where a planet could be orbiting that planet and supporting life. And it's about 16 light years away. So it'd be if you're going at light speed, it would take you 16 years to get there. But if you're like the Vulcans, you can get there, get to Earth pretty fast. It'd be pretty close, actually. Uh, so they said, yeah, that, that's they named the star. I forgot the star's name, but it, they named this star is where Planet Vulcan's located at. So with our new technology, we just discovered a Goldilocks zone planet right next to that star. And uh, ah. so they're like, hey, it's Planet Vulcan. It's actually there. where We predicted it would be. <laughs> so it's pretty cool that we have the technology now to discover that stuff because they have all these new planet finder satellites that are just for that. And, and um, uh, dishes, I believe, is what they're using. Um, but, yeah, it's just really cool that we found a planet right where we thought it would be. And it, it could very well have life on it. It's a it's a super Earth. So it's like a giant Earth um, size, but it could definitely have it's have life. And maybe, you know, Vulcans. That'd be cool. That's spectacular. <laughs> it is. Very cool. So I am tired, so I don't have I don't have music to listen to our next segment. But <laughs> if you'd like to, it's okay. Oh I, yeah, we're doing a before we talk about Spider Man three, we thought we'd go through a little history of Venom, the character from comics, uh, because I think Stephen and I didn't know too much besides video games and maybe occasional cartoons. Yeah, I remember him in like a Sega game at some point. You could play as Spider Man or unlock Venom or something. You know, one of those kind of things, but. That's about it. Yeah, for just through pop culture, I think we kind of knew what it was about. It was a big dude with a big tongue and teeth and black, and he was like Spider-Man's kind of enemy, but they kind of worked together like, sometimes. And he was evil Spider-Man, kind of, had right. a lot of the same powers for some reason. So I was really happy to take a deep dive into the Marvel Wiki and just look. I read the entire history of Venom, and I tried to compact wow. it down into what, you know, the bits that are more important. Uh, but I was like, wow, there's a lot behind this guy that I had no idea. So Would you say this is a five minute aficionado on Venom? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I should find that, that what, queued up. If that's what's happening right now. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. I'm excited. So born in a cavern on the planet Clintar with others like him, these other symbiotes, they're all in this cavern. They don't really have much history behind what these things were. Um, okay, a bunch of goo in a cave. Right. But, but they, his being, they shunted out because they didn't like him because he had difficult thoughts he was he was thinking differently than the rest of the hive of symbiotes so they just didn't like him they kicked him out and that's why uh traveling by kree found him so kree are those blue people from the movies if you're not what reading the comics uh so one of their warriors telkar uh he merges with the symbiotes as a first host of this venom symbiote uh but back then this symbiote was totally clear it was just it was neutral it wasn't uh evil or bad or anything and it just fed off the energy of the person it was a host to. So Keltar was just a warrior who was fighting the, the scrolls, which are going to be coming up in the Captain Marvel movie. They can shape shift yeah. and stuff. So there's a Kree scroll war and he used the power of the symbiote to make him more powerful and fight and kill scrolls. Uh, so uh, something happens in battle. Uh, it's not really important, but the venom symbiote gets knocked off Telkar and he gets some random alien hosts and other planets because he's bopped around. And finally, the Beyonder, which is this overpowered being of all the Marvel Universe, uh, for some reason, imprisons the symbiote into Battleworld, this weird planet in the middle of nowhere. And 
I didn't read how because they didn't explain it, but somehow Deadpool gets on this planet uh, Battle World. And I'm pretty sure this was done in a comic later on that was like a prequel just to be kind of like a half joke, but it became canon. Uh, so Deadpool was the first human host of Venom, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Wow. Uh, so Deadpool is ridiculous. He can break the fourth wall. So he didn't like the fact that Venom was interfacing with his mind. So he just kicks him off his body. He just has that ability. Um, huh. And so moments later, without seeing Deadpool, Spider-Man finds the uh, where the suit is imprisoned where the symbiote is imprisoned and it becomes this big black orb that is released and he touches the orb and it goes onto spider-man's body and realizes that his costume is messed up so it it fills that need and fixes his costume but it's a black costume so then for a long time you have spider-man with the black costume and it actually is the symbiote wow all right yeah so that's what happens so they're uh Eventually, he gets rid of the suit because the symbiote was uh, using his body when he was sleeping to fight crime late at night. Because it was just fulfilling the need that Spider-Man wants to fight crime. So just wants to fight crime while he's sleeping. So he's constantly huh. tired during the day. And so he finally kicks it off his body. Uh, it tries to return to Deadpool. But uh, Deadpool gets rid of it again because he doesn't want it. And it goes to a church. And this is where we kind of go into the movie we're going to watch later because that's actually part of canon. Is I that, heard this was pretty close. Yeah, yeah, because Eddie Brock was a reporter for the Daily Globe and he had been humiliated by Spider-Man. His He got cancer, was disowned <clears throat> by his father, divorced by his wife all within a few months. So he's at the church praying for salvation or help um, when Venom's running away from Deadpool and bonds with Eddie Brock. So uh as he goes around fighting crime with eddie brock but eddie brock hates spider-man so it wants to fulfill the need uh, that eddie brock has so it wants to fight spider-man but at the same time eddie brock is an evil guy so he kind of like fights crime and fights spider-man and it's kind of like back and forth that's why he's kind of like an anti-hero uh eventually venom just randomly after a battle asexually reproduces uh it's a little squirt of like weird shit comes out of him and it goes into uh, a prison and finds this serial killer named Cletus Cassidy who becomes Carnage, which we've also seen in video games and stuff. Okay, yeah, the red one. He's the crazy red one that just kills people. <clears throat> He's totally evil. Uh, later on, this thing of the Life Foundation captures uh, Venom and makes him spawn more, which creates Riot, Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Scream. These are all other symbiotes that you might have Ooh. seen before. Uh, eventually they make clones like the government makes these clones called anti-venoms that are good at fighting venom because he's causing trouble Uh, eventually Eddie Brock can't stand the predatory urges that the venom has because it's growing and growing inside of him and so it he gets it he sells it to like a mob boss guy and somehow gets it off his body sells it to a mob boss named Don Forunato and his son Angelo takes the suit and thinks he's great and goes to fight Spider-Man and in the middle of jumping between buildings, the suit's like, eh, you're a wuss, and just jumps off of him. And so the guy just falls to his death. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. We're almost there. So it flees to a low-level villain named MacDonald Mac Gargan, uh, who, okay. who yep. uh, ends up having some battles, tries to kill Spider-Man. But with the help of Miss Marvel, they separate it from him and give it to the U.S. government. And that's where it's given. It's assigned to Colonel Flash Thompson, who is who went to high school with, with Peter Parker back in the day. Right. And Flash Thompson is really good. So he just uses the suit to fight you know bad guys for a long time. And he, it looks different on him. It becomes more militaristic since he's a colonel. It kind of forms to the personality of the person it's on. Um, so eventually Flash Thompson goes to space and uh, the symbiote goes nuts because it can hear its other symbiotes in space. Now that it's back in space wow. again. And it, wow. ju- it jumps around and attaches to all the different members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, like one by one. So they have like comic panels of like um, 
uh, what's his name? Groot and Rocket Raccoon all with the symbiote on them and stuff. It's really kind of funny. Mm. Uh, so they try to take it back to its home planet of Clintar to be cleansed of all its bad thoughts and urges and all its history it's, it's had. Um, it doesn't really work. Uh, it gets back to Earth and it gets on the body of an army ranger called Lee Price. But the symbiote's actually scared of him because he's so lethal in his killing of bad guys that he's like, I don't want this. Uh, so he gets back to Eddie Brock, our original Venom, and wow. they All go in, yeah, and they fight in other dimensions, other shit. They go to a dimension where there's symbiotes that are on Captain America and Doctor Strange, and they fight these bad symbiotes, and it's crazy ass shit. Uh, and so at this point, Telcar, the Kree, the first host, coming all the way back around, he comes back Ooh. to Earth to reclaim Venom, uh, but he they're able to stop him, so they kick him out, and he goes leaves Earth. And in the final battle, the last thing that the comics have actually done is this ancient symbiote god that the symbiotes all worshipped back in the day uh, comes down to Earth and they fight him. Other symbiotes come to help fight and they do kill the god, but then uh, Eddie and Venom are apparently killed. But it's Marvel Comics, so... So anyone can come back ever, ever. Exactly. So (laughs) if you stayed around for that, that was the brief history of venom one by one all of his hosts you basically heard there pretty much <laughs> but eddie brock was the one that has the most duration and i guess we'll talk about the movie is that he's a big dude and then we just have topher grace playing him in this movie which was just really depressing <laughs> yeah and apparently he worked out a lot to get to being wormy i saw that i was like he did <laughs> it's like he put on 30 pounds of muscle I'm like really <laughs> but here we have some spider-man 3 title music Oh, it's pretty. Uh, gets you in the mood to watch a film. I'm just skipping around the YouTube video because I forgot to download I like, this. I like I like how it just makes me sad. <laughs> There's that theme I recognize, though. Kind of. Uh, all right, let's let's break into this turd burger. <laughs> Spider-Man Three, the first uh, cinematic representation of Venom that we ever get. And that's why we're here to celebrate. <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> All right. So it starts out. I guess Spider-Man's up to his old shtick. That opening like, just your friendly neighborhood. Eh. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so it turns out he's got to make it. He goes to the opening night of a show that Mary Jane is in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what show it's from, but she just walks down a staircase, sings a song. It's like every Broadway musical I ever know. From the 40s, uh, maybe. <laughs> Um, so he looks up, oh man, Harry's there. He killed his dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we need to talk about that. <laughs> um, oh, I will say before that, that it was weird watching this, even the opening credits because it's before we have anything, the Marvel cinematic universe. So they look so different. I'm like, whoa, they look so different back then. That's true. And that it, there was a great opening sequence in the credits, kind of recapping the last two movies with just little scenes. Which yeah, is, little snippets. Which sometimes I kind of want in movies. I'm like, I want a previously on because I'm so lost with all the canon and stuff going on. So I'm glad they did that, actually. Kind of help. Yeah, true. What's important to know for this movie? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, and also, they show James Franco. And I'm like, I can't take this guy seriously. In a ah, second. James Franco. <laughs> I can't. Uh, so in the last movie, James Franco's character finds out that Peter is Spider-Man and hates him because he thinks he killed his dad and has tried to kill him a couple times at this point. Right. Uh, they, he did. Yes. You know, uh, Peter tries to talk to him. Um, 
and Harry leaves and he goes back and he sees Mary Jane. He gets her flowers, tells her how great she is. And then they lay in a spider web. I like God. And a meteor randomly falls to the background behind them and lands and out of it crawls the symbiote. <laughs> how convenient. <laughs> and just as they're hopping on his shitty motor scooter to drive away up, oh, it hooks onto the motor scooter and goes with him. I guess they couldn't have him randomly going to battle world to find <laughs> the symbiote smash cut to a plot. No one cares about. There's a guy <laughs> in a shirt just running. Uh, <laughs> in a structure. <laughs> and now previously on the thing you don't give two shits about. <laughs> This plot literally changes the movie not at all, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so this guy in a shitty striped shirt climbs into a window after running uh, to go see a little girl. Oh, it's his daughter, and she's dying. Oh, he's a piece of shit ex-convict escapee. I just need to help my daughter. Uh, so he's on the run for the cops. Um, no, I guess that's later. We won't get. To, we won't skip to right. that. So meanwhile, Peter goes. There's a really nice scene with Aunt May where he says he wants to marry Mary Jane, and they talk about Uncle Ben. I was going to say though that that one scene, it, it felt more like the first two movies. Like that one scene in this terrible movie was actually pretty nice. Sure, there were a lot of cute movements with Aunt May. And she's a great films. actress. I think she did a great job as Aunt May. She was the, the classic Aunt May. Like it, it did work. That that scene, anyways. But it, in this movie, it's just saccharine and stupid. But like otherwise, it would be a good scene. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's got the ring on the way home. Oh, bam. Attacked by the the a new green goblin. Surprise. It's Harry. There it's to kill him. Terrible CGI. <laughs> um, I will say, though, this fight scene between them was a great opening fight scene. Like, I think, you know, that through the buildings and the chase and the throwing of the bombs, the dodging. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that this was a good opener. I don't think that any fight or confrontation after this stood up. There was one that I wrote down. We'll get to it later, probably. That was like, oh, that's pretty pretty good fight scene, but I can't remember what it is. So we'll get to it. Um, So I'm going to cut back to the Sandman running from the police, I believe, at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's running across. He falls into a pit, and then this thing starts, and then he turns into sand. Because it's like a hydron collider kind of thing that they throw in the middle of nowhere that he suddenly got into. And it's, it's that old love story you've heard a thousand times. <laughs> that old cliche. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> Guy turns into sand. It always happens. But I will say, I, I thought this, the sand effects were pretty cool. The creation of Sandman. And I find out later on through like the trivia that it took them months and months like and six, so much like money six months to do that opening shot or something. And I was like, like that. wow, that's not worth it. <laughs> but It was like, it was okay, but man, that um, was, that's too bad. So, so one thing I did kind of appreciate about this is it had a very comic book quality to it and the storytelling in that, um, you know, after the confrontation with uh, Spider-Man and Goblin, Harry ends up getting his head hit real bad and he's got amnesia and amnesia is like such a, just such a comic book trope. Yeah, it's like soap opera slash comic book trope that happens all the time. He's like, I can't remember who killed my dad. Oh, he's dead. Oh, that's too bad. But then you know he's going to slowly remember it and then have to confront, you know, it's just you've seen it played so many times. Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, back to a pile of sand. (laughs) (laughs) That we really care about. You really care about the story. I'm telling you, you're going to care. A skeleton man forms out of sand, basically. 
And then, oh, it's it's the guy. In, and even though he's sand and can be whatever he wants, he still puts on that shitty striped shirt. Because <laughs> the comic book character had it, so now he has to as well. And I, I think that's fine that if he started in that, that would make sense. But then, like, why wouldn't he put himself in a suit or an outfit or something if he could do it? Maybe he can't. Maybe he's permanently formed that. That <laughs> would be so shirt. shitty. You're genetically linked to this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he picked that one out of a drawer full of other sweaters. He chose that one. <laughs> well, I hope you know he chose it for life. He's going for like the Freddy Krueger kind of look, I guess. Is that what he's going for? But at one point they go back to Peter's apartment. I don't remember what in the timeline this is. A lot of shit happens. The movie's way too long. Yeah. Too. Um, <laughs> yeah but uh, so long. but uh, Peter Parker, Parker's apartment is actually realistic. And I appreciated that. I was like, he has a tiny like a shitty apartment. Bad yeah. landlord. Yeah. That's like how much you'd be able to afford as like a crappy freelance photographer. So I was like, okay, that actually works. Uh, and so it turns out, uh, it's another shitty subplot you don't care about. Um, Mary Jane got fired cause she's shitty at Broadway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the thing is like, I've had this problem with the, when they tried to recast, um, Mary Jane in the amazing Spider-Man movies too, is that she is supposed to be character wise gorgeous. Uh, she's like a supermodel. That's the thing about Mary Jane. And so when he eventually falls for Gwen Stacy in the comics or has like a thing with her, she's just she's like the more intellectual academic one, not as pretty kind of thing. But both times they've cast Gwen, um, Mary Jane, she's been the girl next door, like adorable, That's very true. pretty, of course. But and then in this movie, they make her not only not the you know a supermodel, but also terrible at doing the one thing she's supposed to be good at which is acting <laughs> i can see that <laughs> anyways i'm not saying what's her name that plays her in this movie i can't remember her name now kirsten kirsten dunce kirsten dunce is adorable i love kirsten dunce but i'm just saying she's not a mary jane watson that's all i'm saying that's right uh, <laughs> that's and right. so she comes to get comfort and he's a dick and here's the police radio <laughs> uh and so he just jumps out the fucking window Whee! Uh, and then somewhere in here, some, once again, subplot you don't care about and makes no difference for the film. Uh, they find out that his uncle Ben wasn't murdered by the guy he killed in the first movie, but it was the guy who is now the Sandman somehow. Shoehorn that in there. <laughs> which you then find out later is not quite the case. And so they just misdirected you anyway. It's just, <laughs> And unfortunately and sadly, this is that actor's last film, I think it said the one who plays uncle Ben because he came back to do some of these reshoots oh, right. of him he touching did. Sandman. And I think it was his last film before he died. <laughs> wow. It's like Raul Julia being his last film as oh. street fighter. And once again, apologies, apologies. to Mr. Raul Julia and his estate and his estate. <laughs> um, so he, he goes and confronts and it's Sandman and he's robbing a, a, a money car, an armored truck. And uh, and Spider-Man gets ultimately defeated, you know. Yeah, for the, for the most part, defeated. Um, let's see. And he goes home and he lays down, and that's when the symbiote attacks him and attaches himself. Right. But I think right before that, because before the symbiote attaches, is when we get our first Daily Globe sequence because he hadn't attached yet at that point, I don't think. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So this is where we get the other subplot that we also don't care about, which is Eddie Brock in this movie. And and also by extension, Gwen Stacy, who you also don't care about. Right. And it was they almost did something fun and interesting there where they could have developed, but they didn't, where he uh, claims that he's dating 
uh, Gwen Stacy, you know, talks about how he's going to marry her. But apparently he'd only had coffee with her. That was an interesting subplot, but didn't go anywhere. <laughs> right, right. And uh, she's the daughter of the police chief guy who's yeah, played by like uh, Star Trek's. We just saw him in Star Trek First Contact. Oh, Cromwell. Yeah, Cromwell. James Cromwell. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but I think so that- she's doing a photo shoot in a high rise. And for some reason, did they ever establish why the crane just wildly swung? Or why she was doing a photo shoot in a high rise when she's just a student at class with him? They don't explain why she's doing that <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh, you know terrible workplace accident <laughs> occurs. <laughs> giant beam crashes in through the window uh and suddenly people are falling and she's falling and spider-man comes and saves her at the last minute and it doesn't lead anywhere so it doesn't mean anything anyway <laughs> but i was always oh, the eddie brock subplot we don't care about as well was that he uh, not only is in love with Gwen Stacy, but also is trying to get better photographs of Spider-Man. And so Peter Parker hears that. And the thing that J.K. Simmons, who is wonderful, and he also is some of the shining light of this movie because he's always fantastic. In uh, fact, right now there's a petition to bring him back. Oh, that'd be wonderful. He could still do it <laughs> easily. He could still do it. Um, But uh, he's J. Jonah, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's like, I want a picture of Spider-Man doing something bad. I know he's a villain. He's a bad guy. Get a picture of that and I'll pay you. And so... Now, and Peter Parker's like, you'll never catch him doing anything bad. And he's like, oh, just watch me. So that's now the thing Eddie Brock's going to go out there and try to find a picture of Spider-Man doing something bad, which takes us back to where we were, where now the symbiote has attached to Spider-Man. Peter Parker. Okay, so, um, okay, attaches to Spider-Man. Oh, there's like a big award show for him. He's still red at that point. Oh, right, right. It's the, like a big event celebrating Spider-Man because he saved Gwen, whatever the hell. And he tells Mary Jane how much he loves her and then swings in and then immediately kisses another woman. Like, <laughs> so <what>? stupid. <laughs> Why? And it's not, I really wish it just felt dumb uh, that he was like, kiss me. They'll love it. I was like, eh, why wouldn't she like ask if she could give him a kiss or something? And then he reluctantly obliges and then pissed off Mary Jane inadvertently instead of him just being like, yeah, let's make my girlfriend mad. Yeah. Cause then we could still like him as a character. I want to marry her. Touch my mouth with your mouth. <laughs> now he's think he's a total dick and we're not wrong. Right. Uh, there are just a lot of nuanced situations in this movie that nobody took a second look at. <laughs> so soon after this debacle of him kissing another woman, he then thinks he's going to uh, propose to, to marry Jane with uh, Aunt May's ring. Uh, so he takes her to a restaurant, which is another slightly good part of this movie because I love Bruce Campbell. And Bruce Campbell oh, plays yeah, the great. the horribly accented French maitre d of the restaurant. <laughs> so, hey, he did what he could. You no, know, I think he was purposely just not even really trying with the accent, which is kind of funny. Uh, Bruce Campbell also a friend of the director Sam Raimi. They've been friends since Evil Dead, so they are in a lot of movies doing stuff together. Oh yeah, him and Raimi go way back. Oh yeah, and he plans to do the most cliche proposal ever and go to a French restaurant and put her That's ring right. in the bottom of a champagne glass. And signal the waiter when it's the right time to bring the glass over. And this creates some comedy later in the scene because uh, he's doing things with his arms and the maitre d' Bruce Campbell keeps thinking it's a signal and walking over and then canceling his men and making them go away. So that was, I, I, I got a couple chuckles out of that. Yeah. yeah. In this terrible film. Um, yeah. It was, it was very Raimi-ish. Right. That was a very Raimi part of the film for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he makes Mary Jane real mad. She won't talk to him. Um, 
Let's see. And oh, this is when they find out about Uncle Ben's murder. Oh, right. Is that the guy he fought is the really Uncle Ben's murder. So now he's got to go fight him harder. <laughs> right. <sighs> um, let's see. Uh, that's that's the, the point in the movie where I wrote definitely too many plot threads going on. <laughs> <laughs> so much happening. Okay. So this is where the venom thing attaches when he's at his lowest. Right, right, right. And that's when, uh, um, that's when Mary Jane being pissed at Peter goes to just talk with Harry because she wants to hang out with her old friend, Harry, and just, she's, you know, talk about Peter and just, or just have, you know, some relaxation time. She calls him and, oh, she interrupts Harry in the middle of painting a still life. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, I'd like to point out that I think at this point, James Franco is getting like a double masters or something. And he was, apparently he would like, he just always had a book in his hand on set because he was constantly studying. At this point, even I thought that was later on, but maybe you're right. I know that he did it. He did like he did like a double masters in three years or something incredible. Like poetry was one of them, too, I think. Yeah. Pretentious asshole. Uh, pretentious <laughs> bitch. <laughs> we can call him that. He's, he's assaulted women. So we can say that. That's true. Uh, so the sim- so he takes the symbiote to his teacher. Once again, another plot thread they set up, but they never got a fourth movie. Yeah, it was Dr. Connors, who would later become the lizard, who they eventually revamped in The Amazing Spider-Man, but not in this one. Uh, so then he hears, <clears throat> he confronts Sandman again. And uh, this time, because the symbiote has taken over, it really enrages him. And he just destroys the Sandman and hits him with water and turns him into mud. Ooh. And was he um, a black costume this- at that point? I think he was. Yeah, this is where it starts this like, oh, the costume's changing Peter because he goes home and screams at his landlord and is mean to that girl. And then um, and then he goes and like brags to Aunt May about the guy being dead. And Aunt May is like, no, it's not what Uncle Ben would have wanted. And he's a dick. <laughs> Just overall a dick. And his hair's in his face. Ooh, um, he's so emo. And they, keep, and, and they show like Mary Jane and Harry hanging out intermittently. They're having dinner, uh, joking around. And then... And then this is where, so Dark Peter Parker is where the Raimi of the film really, really comes out. Mm-hmm. Dark Peter is like just Raimi having a good time, and it was too much Raimi. Yeah, because it was so silly. And then now watching as an adult, I see different things <clears throat> because when I watched it when, I was, when it came out, I was like, he's trying so hard to be cool, but he's not cool at all. This is stupid. But now watching it, I'm like, oh, the reactions from people around him are looking at him like he's an idiot. They're not actually looking at him like he's cool. So like, and like the waitress at the restaurant when he gets there with Gwen Stacy later, like he says something in her ear and she's like, "Ugh, gross. Like she just gets away from. So I don't, I think it's actually very Raimi as you're right that it's, it's funny if it's in the right context, but within this movie, it just didn't work at all. It was just all over the place. Cause he is, he's yeah. definitely not cool, but he's trying very hard to be cool. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, somewhere in here, Harry gets his memory back. He threatens Mary Jane and tells her to break it off with Peter. Which sends Peter into a more and of a she, spiral. Or, or he'll kill him. And yeah, Peter spirals down. We get more dark Peter Parker. It's all bad from here, <laughs> folks. Uh, he gets new clothes. He gets an emo haircut. He wears eyeliner suddenly. <laughs> he uh, eventually has a fight with Pete, with Harry. And in Harry's like apartment or house or whatever and that fight scene actually wasn't that bad either that's what i was thinking of later it was actually pretty well choreographed because it wasn't cgi and i was like they were actually fighting which is kind of neat 
Yeah, somewhere in here, Eddie Brock, they print the bugle prints a picture of Spider-Man with two money bags in his hands. It turns out Eddie Brock photoshopped it or something. It's a right. fake. Eddie Brock gets defamed and fired and his name dragged through the mud, blah, blah, blah. And so he Dark heads to Peter. a church to pray for, you know, pray for Spider-Man to die, I think is what he says. That's right. Right. Um, let's see. God, there's so much that goes on here. <laughs> Cut back to plot no one cares about. Uh, Sandman, not dead, actually just a puddle of goop dries out, becomes Sandman again. Okay, we can move away from that now. <laughs> uh, somehow Peter gets to the church, though. I forgot how we actually got there. Okay, so um, he gets... Uh, we're missing the, the scene that gets us there. Right. And that is the Raimi nightclub dance scene with Peter. Oh, Lord. Terrible. So he takes Gwen, uh, Gwen. Yes. Gwen no. Stacy. Yeah. Gwen Stacy. To this Ron, Ron Howard's daughter playing her. Yeah. Um, to this club and Mary Jane's working there as a bartender. And then he's just a dick. You just get to watch him be a dick for like <laughs> seven or eight minutes. <laughs> he, she starts to sing. He interrupts her with like a loud piano solo and then dances like an asshole all over this club. <laughs> And then, and then they try to kick then, him out, and then he he shoves away the bouncer, and then also turns around and smacks Mary Jane in the face, knocks right. her over. Uh, and then Gwen realizes she was using him. She's mad at him too, and that's when he realizes the symbiote's ruining his life, and he goes to the top of the church, and the and bell starts to ring, and that's when he, it starts to realize or it starts to come off of him when the bell rings. It like it's it doesn't like that, so the vibration or the sound right. hurts it in some way so it eventually falls down and falls right down on eddie brock who's below praying and because he just lost his jobs in a bad way he now has become venom in all these plot threads that we care so much about uh and then peter tries to get his life back on track tries to get back in contact with mary jane um venom finds sandman somehow and they try to take down spider-man together uh they have a giant final um, fight scene where Sandman becomes gigantic and is trying to, uh, they, they captured uh, Mary Jane, put her in a car, which is attached to a bunch of webs from Venom and it's slowly falling. And uh, so Spider-Man's having to fight Venom and Sandman at the same time. But he doesn't know Sandman's there and he gets ambushed. Right. Uh, and he's getting the crap kicked out of him. But then, bam, his buddy, scarred up, messed up face James Franco, Harry. Uh, shows up all messed up goofy face eye uh, and saves him. And he takes Sandman for the most part. Right. And well, Spider-Man has- faces off against Venom. Uh, they help each other. The Sandman is kind of defeated momentarily and they stop Venom for the most part, but not before Venom uh, stabs. Uh, what's his face? Harry through with the board echoing what happened to his father. Right. But this time in an act trying to kill Spider-Man is to save Spider-Man. The whole story comes round. So perfectly. And everyone gets warm fuzzies and everyone's <laughs> forgiven. Um, so eventually then, I think Spider-Man tries to throw the symbiote comes off of uh, of the of Venom or what's his face? Topher Grace. Eddie he Brock. like traps him with pipes and he hits them and they vibrate and it makes the Venom thing go crazy. It's great. So he throws like, an like explosive cooler effects in the movie. Yeah, it was like it was actually pretty neat. And they throws the explosive device to kill the symbiote. But then Eddie's like, no, and he jumps in and then he <laughs> dies, too. 
and you actually see his skeleton for like two or three frames. Huh, I didn't notice that. It's real dark. It's real dark. <laughs> of course. It is. Uh, and Spider-Man, I don't know, kind of gets back with Mary Jane or they hint at it. I can't remember. I think it was hinted at that they, they might be okay. But it, yeah, they're definitely uh, hoping for a sequel. Sandman, he apologizes despite the fact that like he definitely hurt a bunch of people and stole a bunch of stuff. Um, and he just floats off in the wind because he's forgiven himself. And no, I forgive you. No, I forgive you. You can't forgive me because I forgave you. <laughs> no, first. you hang up. No, you hang up. Right. That's the ending of this film. Oh, and one of the best parts of the final battle was the interchange between Jonah Jameson and a little girl about a camera. <laughs> oh, that's right. Where he buys the camera from her for like a hundred bucks. And then she charges them for the film. It's like a hundred bucks. You crook. All right, give it here. <laughs> and that's uh Remy's daughter. Yes, that's right. And his brother is actually part of the bugle staff. Yep. He was giving some presentation on a board earlier on Tim, Ted Remy, who's in a lot of B movies and, he was in Xena, uh, Warrior Princess. Xena. That, that's really what I know from is Xena. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a nerd. He's cool. Oh, but yeah. Um, but that's the end. Overall, a really bad movie with a lot of very forgettable plot points. They should have just made it about Spider-Man versus Venom. And instead, they tried to mix all this other stuff in. Yeah, they only needed that one storyline. And maybe some some of the hairy troubles. That would have made sense. Um, but Sandman was totally unnecessary. Um yeah, he was because Harry could it could have been the exact same arc where it, I guess it was the Uncle Ben retribution thing. That was like the one thing that they that he they threw in Sandman for. He really didn't need that, though, because he already that was already solved and done. It was like, right. It was like opening it up. That'd be like if they did like a third Hamlet where they're like, oh, we found out who really murdered your father, Hamlet. What? <laughs> now let's go have vengeance on him. <laughs> oh, so, uh. Something I put though is that one thing that really doesn't work in this movie, especially, is that they don't have enough scenes of Spider-Man just being himself without CGI, walking around, looking solid, and talking to people as Spider-Man. There's That's a lot. True. There's a lot of annoying Peter Parker. Peter Parker being terrible, and not enough quippy Spider-Man being fun. And it's just that's what you need in a Spider-Man movie. Um, I can agree with that. Also, you can see Joe Manganiello uh, very briefly at the funeral for Harry at the end. Um, who plays Flash Thompson in the first movie. Oh, well, that's a good throwback. Yeah, like the bully in, in high school. Um, and I put, I don't remember what the, what the club scene was, but I said the last scene in the club just doesn't work because Mary Jane can't sing and isn't stunning and Peter Parker is ugly. <laughs> <That's what I laughs> hey, Tobey Maguire is an att- acquired taste. What happened to Tobey Maguire? He's just gone. I don't know. He made some bad choices and then Hollywood gave up on him. So some trivia from this film. Uh, we have all the screams Kirsten Dunst had for this film were recycled from Spider-Man 2. They didn't even bother. Uh, it's okay. So were the plot points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was considered at one point to split the film into two movies, Ugh. which would have been terrible. Uh, one of the sounds used for Venom is of a Tasmanian devil, an actual Tasmanian devil. Um, according to James Franco, they had to go back and do some reshoots just prior to the release because test audiences felt that there was not enough action in the film. That was the one problem they had. <laughs> uh, there were many scenes that were shot, but never released on DVD, including montage of Peter in his black suit, taking down criminals and leaving them strung up. Tons of character building moments, a confrontation scene between Captain Stacy and Eddie Brock, where Gwen dumps him at her father's house and Peter freaking out after he looks in a mirror and sees a nightmarish version of the Venom symbiote screaming at him. Those might have helped, might have not. Uh, still, it was the highest grossing movie of 2007, yet there was no sequel. 
probably because it was so. I want to see. You keep going. I want to see what else came out in 2007. Yeah, because it was so. See how bad of a year this was. I just know 2008 is when Iron Man came out. So the next year they're like, oh, fuck it. We can't do that. So they just (laughs) quit. Uh, Sam Raimi was deeply unhappy with how the film turned out. He had hoped that the planned fourth film would have made up for it, but he didn't have a chance. Um, Reportedly, an early draft had John Jameson, the astronaut from Spider-Man 2, returning from a space mission with a symbiote as a stowaway. To save time and money, this was eliminated in favor of having the meteorite just happen to land next to Peter Parker. And that would have been so much better. It would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, so much more. They could have done that and just had Venom and it would have been fine. I don't know. Some other big movies yeah. came out. Which ones? Uh, let's see. No Country for Old Men. Love Alien vs. Predator Requiem came out. Mm. No, there's no that. way that's accurate. Oh, I guess it was the first one. No, there's no way that's accurate. Okay, never mind. This list must be bunk. Oh, <laughs> well, No Country for Old Men came out that year. That makes sense. Because I, I remember that 2007 happening. Maybe I'm remembering the wrong summer then. I don't know. Because we saw it, uh, in, in, I think we saw it somewhere. Me and you? Oh, no, I'm thinking the original. We saw Alien vs. Predator, the regular one, in Florida. Right, that makes That's sense. what I'm thinking of. There we go. Man, dark uh, times. The first shot of the Sandman forming took roughly six months to create, which is insane. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert and Scarlett Johansson were both considered for the role of Gwen Stacy. Uh, his professor with one arm, who is briefly shown as Dr. Connors, who becomes the lizard. We talked about that. A sequel was in development that was going to feature Dr. Kirk Connors turn into the lizard and feature carnage. But after some disputes over the script and Sam Raimi, the movie was canceled in favor of a reboot. Um, according to Grant Curtis, an early production of the vulture uh, in early production. Uh, oh, the vulture was originally going to be in the movie and Ben Kingsley was involved in negotiations to play him before the character storyline was replaced by Venom. Kingsley later appeared in Iron Man three as a Marvel villain Mandarin. Uh, and the vulture later in Spider-Man Homecoming, of course. Uh, the terrible jazz bar scene where he dances around took two weeks to film. Oh, That's just sad. Uh, imagine being an extra for those scenes, just having to sit and watch Tobey Maguire do this terrible thing over and over again. <laughs> and you're like, this is bad. I know this is bad. While Sam Raimi sits and tells him how good it is <laughs> and then says, someone get some more eyeliner on this kid. <laughs> and we need more action. All right. Uh, Two more things here. The film was reportedly the most expensive film ever made in U.S. dollars with a greenlit budget of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow. However, with the ground up development of revolutionary CGI, the astronomical cost of shooting on location in New York reportedly at one million dollars per day and extensive reshoots, which ran over the production uh, over production schedule additional eight months. Uh, led many industry insiders to speculate a final tab of $350 million or more in production costs alone. If this figure figure is true, then only Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End comes in second with a final budget of $300 million. Wow, that's crazy. That's so sad. Um, and the last thing, uh, the union between Venom and Sandman originally had Venom just offering the cash Sandman needs to save his daughter in exchange for helping him kill Spider-Man. But during the battle, Sandman's daughter would come and tell her father that she could not be cured and was going to die and wanted to die with her father being a good man not a criminal that's right and then i forgave him not before he forgave her but we all forgave each other (laughs) that old chestnut the end of this movie just (laughs) god (laughs) so that's my friends is spider-man 3 all right (sighs) so uh offset that i want to fill your brain with something good and that's some uh cool I'm going to call it Symbiote Showdown. 
Nice. I just came up with that. I got nothing. <laughs> symbiote showdown. And this, I'm going to talk about some cool symbiotic relationships that happen in nature. Some real ones. Some real symbiotic relationships. Uh, so there are these crabs. Uh, I think hermit crabs. Mm-hmm. And they go shell to shell. As they grow, they've got to you know, eject their old shell and they go and they find a new shell. So on these shells, they love having little companions. And their favorite companion is the sea anemone. So sea anemone has these terrible stingy tentacles, grabs stuff out of the water. Um, the crab loves it because the crab gets protection on its back. Nice. The anemone gets to pick out from the, the, the leftovers, basically, of the crab. Everyone wins. So when the crab outgrows its old shell, goes, finds a new shell, gets in, and what's the first thing it do? It goes and it pries the anemone off its old shell. Pops it on its new shell because it wants its buddy with it and then heads on its way. That's so cute. That's right. I like Best that. friends for life. Uh, in South, uh, Southern Africa, uh, the cocktail ant has performed, uh, has um, formed a very interesting relationship with these copper butterflies. And um, copper butterflies, when they're a larva, when they're a caterpillar, have this really interesting thing where they eat plants and fruit and stuff and their body transforms it and they secrete this sugary stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not shit, but it's like a, a, a byproduct of their body is this sugary mess. Uh, well, the ants love this stuff. They will protect and groom these caterpillars in exchange for protection for them. That's awesome. And they get to eat all this hunt, this, this sweet liquid they want. <laughs> so cool. Uh, during the day, the caterpillar hides down in, in the ant's nest comes out at night feeds they protect it and then when it goes into a pupa uh, when it pupates and goes into a cocoon it actually cocoons down in their nest and they leave it alone that's awesome it hatches it flies away it has more eggs which make more of these caterpillars and it just rinse and repeat that is pretty cool i like that yeah uh is it uh timon and pumbaa no not quite uh, it's a Pumbaa and a mongoose. Uh, in, uh, in Africa, uh, wild warthogs have been seen lying, just laying out open and allowing mongooses to approach them, and the mongooses will uh, eat ticks and bugs off of them. Interesting. And a mongoose is what? Uh, a bird? What is uh, a mongoose? No, it's like a little, think like a bigger ferret or weasel kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, badgers and foxes. So foxes, super light, super nimble, really fast, can run over the plane, catch, catch prey out in the open. And you got badgers who are meant to like get down to the earth and burrow and go after their prey that way. Um, so the, they've been seen hunting together. Um, and basically when the prey pops out, because the badger chased it out of a hole, the coyote runs and gets it. When the coyote chases a prey into a hole, the badger goes and gets it. And while only one of them walks away with the meal, uh, they studies have shown that they have higher overall hunt success rates when they do this together. Hmm. You said uh, foxes uh, or coyotes. You said both. Uh, foxes. Sorry. Okay. Foxes. <laughs> gotcha. Fo- foxes and badgers. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, my father, final one uh, is uh, in Colombia. There are these big monster tarantula Ugh. called less, lesser black tarantulas. And they have these frogs that they keep as pets. <laughs> uh, they're called dotted humming frogs and um, the pr- tarantula will protect it from small birds and small snakes 
that would normally eat these frogs. It's allowed to live and sleep there. Um, and in exchange, the frog eats all of these small insects and stuff that would normally wreck the spider's eggs. Oh. So by keeping this pet there, he gets pest control. That's awesome. That's right. And all these things have occurred in nature just naturally, where completely different species have found they need each other. It's just incredible. There's also that mite that can go into your ear and then get into your brain and then make you insane until you die. That's kind of a symbiote. (laughs) Sure. That works out for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a very effective relationship. It just kills both of them. (laughs) But that's in nature as well. So that's a thing that exists. (laughs) But that takes us to some trailer reviews. Uh, actually, I've got a quick would you rather. Oh, my God. I want to spring it on you. I'm trying to surprise you now that we're doing this every week. Oh, well, that's the would you rather. Let's do it. Would you rather. <laughs> Go for it. Sorry, I'm trying to communicate with Anna. <laughs> Use hand signals. <laughs> I tried. It didn't work. Um <laughs> So uh, this is sort of a would you rather, but I don't want to come up with a different name for a segment. Uh, so I just want to ask you, and uh, I've got a list here if you need it. Uh, if you had to to yell one cartoon like slogan every time that you, you completed sex for the rest of your life. <laughs> so you'd like scream a cartoon catchphrase every time. Uh, what cartoon catchphrase do you think it would be? Can we alter it to where you'd say it exactly the way it's said in the cartoon? I think that I think that's the only way that this works. So I would definitely do that's all folks. That's all folks. Yeah, it's orgasm go that's all folks. I think my favorite one's us uh, like like yabba jabba do a classic Zoinks. Zoink Scoob. Uh, let's see what else. Jinkies maybe might, might be good. <laughs> Cow, cowabunga. Wow. These are uh, I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smarter than the average bear. Or just orgasm and say, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, that just has connotations now. It does. It that's, ruined that's, everything. It's terrible. <laughs> By the power of Skull, that would be pretty epic. <laughs> or it's morphin' time. Oh, it's not like that's my cartoon. <laughs> no, it's not. But I like where your head's at. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, is there another one? <laughs> no, that's it. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Which part? <laughs> All right. Well, then that takes us to some trailer reviews. Now we're trailer reviews. I had to take that comedic break. <laughs> Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. 
And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for a play on nerds. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, let's start with uh, Dark Phoenix, which I think just dropped today or yesterday. It's very recent, yes. You think you can fix me? Jane, you are not broken. Mind is a fragile thing. Takes only the slightest tap to tip it in the wrong direction. Charles, what did you do? I had to keep her stable. I protected her. From the truth? There's another word for that. looking for answers you feel like you don't belong here you don't they can't begin to comprehend what you are she's changing and what you didn't come here looking for answers you came here looking for permission Jean. she's all rage It's all coming out at once. Jean lost control, but she's still our friend. This is your fault, Charles. The world is on the brink. I'm sorry. I didn't stop it sooner. You're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. And nobody cares. There's still hope. Don't do this. They're right to fear me. I've seen evil. And I'm looking at it now. <sighs> yeah. So, um, the continuation of the X-Men franchise. I mean, they showed us a lot of stuff. They showed us all the characters we wanted to see and assured us everyone would be there with a big pat on the back. Um, <laughs> I don't... I think at least from a storyline point of view, the storyline makes more sense than when the last time they did dark Phoenix, they, they have more leading up to it for sure. Yeah. And you know, it makes sense that she's a troubled young woman trying to discover her powers and, you know, feeling betrayed by Charles and lashing out. And, and that's when Magneto takes her under his wing. Not, not like the last one where it's like she died and then she came back, but she was a different person. And Mag, you know, it's just, eh. Well, the thing is, I, I think this really shows the the difference in the movies that were made for comic books, especially in this universe back in the day, where it was what I really, I think, needs more of in these is that just fights between powered people that are cool. And now we're just focusing way too much on the drama and the, the fascination with the relationships. And it's just like, okay, it's a little much, like heavy handed and like... um I don't know. I just think it's going way too dark, even the title Dark Phoenix. But uh, Sophie Turner is a great actress, Game of Thrones, and there is very little of her actually in this trailer, and the title of the movie is her. <laughs> it's true. So, I don't know. What do you feel about that? I don't know. As I said, they they really, you're right, they spent a lot of time on everyone else. Like, they really wanted to show you everyone was there. 
Yeah. And I think some of them just look so young still. And like Cyclops looks like he's 12. And, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to me, I'm just getting too old. Maybe Cyclops looked like he was 12 back in the day. He looked like an adult to me back then. Um, That's true. It's all time travel. And I think uh, the guy playing um, Professor Xavier, I can't remember his name now, suddenly. Um, he's definitely doing more of a Patrick Stewart impression now, which I actually do appreciate. Okay. More than yeah. the other films. He was more just himself. And now he's definitely like putting on the Patrick Stewart voice a little bit more. So I do enjoy that. It's true. He's got to make the transition if he wants the last. That's true. If this franchise wants to last. I'm pretty sure this will be the last one. I mean, before they get encapsulated into the MCU because Disney's still in the process of buying Fox. So, Oh, that's true. But yeah, but this won't be the last one. I can't imagine. I don't know. I think if they're smart, what they'll do is to make this the last one uh, through an event in the MCU, Doctor Strange or whatever, brings Deadpool over because he still has a lot of traction. Uh, this, I think this franchise has very little traction left. Um, and so they bring Deadpool over through a multi-universe thing. So he's joining the MCU. Everyone else gets scrapped. They start a new X-Men thing because it's so convoluted now with like the time travel and crap and Wolverine. It's like, just start over again. <laughs> See, here, here's, I, I don't think you're, you're, you're looking at the Disney model, right? Cause that's not what they do. <laughs> All right. Disney goes in, they salvage viable assets and they kill everything else. That's always what they do. That's what they did with Star Wars. That's what they did with Marvel. They walk in, they establish what makes money, and they keep it. So they take Deadpool and they get rid of X-Men. I agree. That's what I said. I don't, I don't think... Uh, no, they're not going to get rid of all the X-Men because well, Quicksilver has them. a huge following. Maybe, Bam, I bring him. Jennifer Lawrence, who loves money and is the biggest part of the franchise. <laughs> who loves money. But then... But then, but then um, you know, you can have a Guardians of the Galaxy where only your favorite X-Men show up. Right. I think that's, they're going to, I think we're going to see four or five people survive. That could be cool. You're going to get to see them in a few places, maybe in a Fantastic Four reboot, which is also, who knows, maybe feasible. in the works, feasible. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't think the X-Men are out and I don't think they're for a reboot. I think we're going to get at least a little bit of a crossover during the transition. I say go for like crossover transition and a reboot and like have new actors portray, like get a new Wolverine, like maybe go like different where it's like so faithful to the comics where you have like a short scrappy Wolverine, oh, you know, okay, here, perfect, perfect thing. So, uh, Thanos snap kills off all the mutants we don't like. Ha, yeah, in every universe, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, only the mutants. So that's how, that, that's how you explain it. Half of them are gone, <laughs> and they come over to our universe and play around. That's right. <laughs> I'm for it. It works. So, what do you give this trailer? Uh, this is. I really wish I give it a shot and take my money. I, I need one more trailer to say that definitively. So, so until then, it gets a. Eh, we'll see. For me, I. Uh, if I happen to be bored and have the time, I'll go see it in the theaters, <laughs> but I'd say give it a buck. I'll watch it on streaming. True. That, that not impressed with that trailer. All right. So our next one, just because pickings are slim, uh, it has a slight sci-fi element in that it's like an alternate world in that where <laughs> this but still might actually happen where the president gives a, uh, a a declaration that the whole U.S. needs to sign an oath that they are they will respect and honor the president. And it's basically like you're living in Trump world where 
half this family doesn't agree with, with signing the oath. The other half does. And they fight. And it's got Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, I guess, is his directorial debut as well. Ooh, uh, fancy. So it's a comedy. So here we go. Let's see what we think. How did this reasonable, mild-mannered husband and wife end up like this? One word. Family. Fuck you, Pat. Fuck you. Fuck you. No, fuck, you. Fuck, you. fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Seriously, Chris, seriously, hold on. It. Hold on, seriously. No politics. Mom, mom, this isn't political. I just want to say real quick, real quick. Seriously, Pat? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Shut the fuck up. Today, the government announced something they're calling the Patriot's Oath, a state-sponsored initiative to have Americans sign a loyalty waiver to the president. The deadline for signing is the day after Thanksgiving. What is happening to the country? Let's try to avoid that conversation for the next three days, okay? Hello! If these motherfuckers bring up the oath, I'm going to lose my mind. What did he do? He lit a copy of the oath on fire. And where are you getting this information from? At Fat Ass Patriot. Okay, he's a good source at Fat Ass Patriot. He's verified. He's a verified fucking idiot. My brother, I love him. I bet they signed the oath like that. You know I'm a feminist. But his girlfriend is a little... You're not using that word in this house. You can use pussy, trash pussy, but you cannot use that. Yeah, he's a trash pussy. Okay, that's fine. She's a trash pussy. I'm Peter Yoon. We're with the Division of Homeland Security. We received a report that you were impeding a private citizen's choice to sign the oath. Do you guys have a warrant? I just think the three of us should go for a ride. Uh, his head's all fucked up. Did I do that to his head or was his head like that before? Now is time for practical solutions. Okay, how is this going to end? I don't know. We can go to Mexico. Maybe we become Mexican nationals. I speak a little bit of Spanish. I will learn more. How the fuck is that practical? That's some of their shedding cut out. <laughs> um, yeah, I get. I mean, I understand it's coming at a good time for it, and. You know, it's going to spark conversation, the liberal left's way of hitting back at the press, you know, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, two things I will say. Uh, I think one, this trailer might not have been cut very well because timing is everything in comedy. And I just, there's, I saw good jokes in there, but I feel like the timing was off. I feel like they're cramming too much into the trailers. So that might be a way of saying it because this could be a good film. Uh, second thing, I think Tiffany Haddish has been way overblown and She's been in way too many movies. I don't think she's that funny, but I like the idea that she's playing almost playing the straight man in this film. She's playing more of like the reasonable down to earth person and not so crazy over the top like she usually plays. That's right. So I could see that being cool. Uh, so I, I'd be willing to give it a try. Yeah. I mean, this one, I, I, I can't even give it a we'll see. Like I, can't, I can't do that. <laughs> Understandable. I guess this gets a burn it. <laughs> that's all the options you have because I don't want to see more I'm not going to rent it and I'm not going to go see it in theaters I don't really want to burn it but I don't have any other choices so it gets burned it yeah, we used to have a lot of choices but no that's we're done with that so you just got to burn it you don't have time when of the day to, to worry like, about it when we got up to seven choices it was too much I think we decided <laughs> but we have to pick and choose in our older age we can't just watch everything and even when we were kids there were less movies coming out in general and now there's just so many choices that we can't watch everything. So fuck it. Go ahead and burn it. Yeah, I agree. Fuck it. Burn it. <laughs> so that <laughs> brings us to some radical recommends. Radical recommends. Hi. 
If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so do you got something for us this week? I do. Uh, So this one's going to be kind of a no-brainer. But my radical recommend this week is losing weight. Oh, (laughs) well, all right. I know it seems seems crazy obvious, right? <laughs> uh, so I recently, with my new job, I kind of recognized that I'm not on my feet all the time like I used to be, and I'm not moving boxes all mm-hmm. the time like I used to be. So I'm making more concerted effort as I would not be burning the calories I normally would. Uh, so I got my hands on an Apple Watch nice. and put an app on my phone, and I'm making sure I hit five miles a day walking every day, which at our new campus is surprisingly easy. It's so big. That's pretty good. Five miles a day. Oh yeah. Like I was a little under today, like 4.76, but it's pretty close. Um, and just being more conscious about what's going in my body. And yeah, that being said, I still eat some epic stuff because you know, I've never eaten breakfast. I eat moderate lunches. So dinner, I can eat a real good dinner and still be like a thousand calories under for the day. What's a thousand calories under? Like what thousand calories under right now that like my, my daily burn is like 3,100 because I'm still so tubby. Mm. Mind you, as I lose weight, my daily just average burn is going to go down. I'll have less calories to play with. I'm kind of in the, in the honeymoon phase right now, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, but once again, I know it not never having eaten breakfast. It's not something I'm going to add now. And that makes it so I can have a good lunch and a good dinner. That's crazy. I could not go without breakfast these days. I get so hungry. As soon as I wake up, I'm like, I need to immediately oh, eat. Nah, it takes my time some some time to warm up. I think if you start going to the gym, you might uh, might change your, your, your role there because you'd be like, hey, I need to eat all the time. And so you just eat small things throughout the day and it just kind of makes your metabolism yeah, faster. I'm not going to start real workout yet. I need to get some weight off my joints. That makes sense. You don't hurt you your back working out too qu- If you start working out too quick and you're overweight, you will destroy your body. Your knees especially. Yes, knees and back will get hit because your body is not conditioned for it. You got to warm up to it. And so your back is not off. ready for that. <laughs> uh, I Since I started, I am down 23 pounds. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to uh, get down. You know, Soon I'll be down at the lowest I've been in years. That's awesome. Uh, but right now I'm on track to hit like losing 100-ish pounds by like March or April. That would be insane. You, it's going to slow down. That's the thing. Right. It does plateau. Once I lose weight, my, my body isn't going to need less calories each day. I'm not going to have the, the wiggle room I have. That being said, at New Campus and working at Apple, it's pretty easy to eat healthy through the day. Yeah. You got a lot of options for you there. There's always a healthy snack available. There's always a good healthy soup. Like That's what I've been doing. I've been doing a big big bowl of whatever the healthiest sounding soup is and a uh, like whole wheat roll for lunch. That's great. It's funny because a friend of mine just sent an article or posted an article and she's a girl I knew in Atlanta who um, was constantly, I always saw at take, taking weight, like um, weight loss classes and stuff like that and going, working out all the time, eating healthier. And she just could not lose more weight. And she was still a bigger girl, but she's very pretty, dresses really well, just that she can't lose the weight. And I was, she's the only example of that I've ever seen where someone legitimately was working out, eating well and not losing weight. Because before they said, oh, it's just genetics, but then they would eat crap all the time. It's like, it's not really just genetics if you're just eating crap and not ever working out. Like it's partially genetics, but also you just don't do anything. So. Right. And that's my thing. I've got both genetics and the fact that I don't do anything working against me. Yeah. You have (laughs) big dudes in your whole family. So it's like, you're going to be a bigger guy no matter what. (laughs) No matter what, I'm going to have this big frame. I can decide what goes on the frame though. 
though. Right. You could be a football player or you could be something else. That's like up to you, basically. But at the same well, time, I'm not, she- not going to be a football player. So. <laughs> but she posted this article and it started off talking about back in the day when they were curing scurvy. They found out that if you gave people oranges because people weren't getting enough fruit in their diet, the scurvy pretty much went away immediately. So if they had citrus or fruit in their diet, it was fine. But then they took that away. They tried to supplement it with cheaper things and then people got scurvy again. And they equated that to our current uh, day obesity crisis, saying that um, we have an easy solution like the oranges for scurvy, but we're not doing it. We're just being cheap and we're not helping our people with obesity and we're fat shaming, which is I think is terrible. You shouldn't shame anyone for their weight. But then they talked about all these doctors that were just telling their patients to eat better and uh, exercise more and not being any more helpful. But by the end of the article, it's a really long article. I read the whole thing. It's, it says, uh, so in, in the long run, the solution was tell people at a younger age to eat better and exercise more. I was like, so you didn't have some magical scurvy solution. This article is kind of bullshit. It's basically saying you shouldn't be shaming these doctors for telling people to just eat better and exercise more because that's exactly what they have to do. So I was kind yeah. of like, I was confused by, you know, what is the solution to our obesity crisis? And it's just, it's tough. It's better education, better food. We have some of the worst school foods in the entire world in the U S Oh yeah, for our children. We're feeding them crap from an early age. So no wonder people are gaining weight. So, I mean, we, we used to sit on like hot pockets and ramen noodles as kids and chef Boyardee. So it makes sense. That's right. <laughs> chef Boyardee was the shit. It was anyways. So that's a radical recommend for you is losing weight. As you said, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no brainer. But yeah, tr- try it. Yeah, try it. Just, out. just, just be a little bit more. Really, it's just the consciousness of what's going in, right? And our longtime that's, listener, that's what's going in. Paul Wright, who's been on the show a couple of times, he lost a ton of weight recently doing the same thing, just being consistently watching what he was eating and exercising and stuff, and he looks great. So good for you, Paul, too. And Steve's on it on the case now too. It's awesome. That's right, I am. So what my, about you? My radical recommend is a movie that you might have heard of called Hereditary. Um, oh yeah with tony collette right tony collette and gabriel byrne and some child actors that were amazing uh i am a horror movie i love horror movies i watch them all the time um they don't scare me at all they're just fun to watch uh i enjoy the i really enjoy the psychological ones that are actually trying to be more scary a lot of the um uh what's the ones that have been out a bunch that they have like sequels to uh there's so many of them now uh insidious yes like the insidious the other ones, the Insidious, those those kind of movies, and which the are Annabelle ones, yeah, yeah, the Annabelle universe. They're like more thoughtful. They have good actors, big bigger budgets. They're nice. This movie, I heard highly highly recommended, Hereditary, and it's the most disturbing, scary, dread-inducing movie I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's saying a lot because I've seen a lot of horror wow. movies. Wow! All right, uh, and I'm probably overblowing it now, but when you see it, and if you force yourself to watch the whole thing. I will never watch this again because it's so disturbing, but it was so good and so well made um, and terrifying. So fully recommend if you like horror movies, hereditary, dear Lord, terrifying. <laughs> All right. That sounds awesome. I know uh, it got crazy good reviews. Yeah, it did. And it's great acting. I mean, Tony Collette's fantastic, uh, but it was just, yeah. So just go for it. Hereditary. I, the Storks gave it to me and it was wonderful. So now I think it takes us to our thank you section in this very That's long show. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, I need to 
solve this problem if the soundboard is too far away from my microphone. So should get one of those like robot reach arms. <laughs> that would be a good idea. <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, for our last episode, we asked about dollar stores and if there was an equivalent to dollar stores in the UK. Oh, that's right. And one of our UK listeners, uh, Daniel Peter Hitch, author, Bubbles of Pirate, check it out. Uh, he responded to our question and he said, yes, there." he sent pictures of them, actually. There's Is place- the Tuppence store? <laughs> Not the Tuppence <laughs> store, but they have Poundland, Pound World, and Mighty Pound. Those are just some of them. <laughs> That's what I used to call my dorm room in college. Yeah. Pound so, world. So I told him, I'm like, those sound like sex shops to which he replied. Well, they are usually sticky and have, or have sticky floors. So you may have a point there. <laughs> so, That's true. But yeah. So they, thanks Daniel for responding to our question. Cause we don't know. We don't know about the UK stores. So that's good and to come know. Come on down and check out at the pound store. Some mighty pound pound world. <laughs> uh, so I have a thank you this weekend. Nice. Uh, so I, I posted the dark Phoenix uh, trailer on our page and someone who was not one of our regulars uh, wrote like two paragraphs uh, expressing his equal discontent <laughs> uh, and, and low expectations for this new film and that hoping that it might be good. Like really, it was commiseration more than anything, but we both hope it'll be okay. Uh, his name is Chadwick Parks. And then afterwards, Facebook gave me this thing to invite him to like the page. And he did. Oh, nice. And he is actually, I, I didn't know he even followed our page before. Somehow he saw our post, but he's friends with me from Atlanta. When I worked at CNN. So uh, okay. time, he works at, he worked at adult swim for a long time. He's a cool guy. All right. Well, well, Chadwick Parks, welcome. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you just wrote on our wall. Either way, we're happy to have you. Absolutely. Thanks for the response. So, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode. We talked about Spider-Man 3, the original, and I'm, I'm going to say better incarnation of Venom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dare to say <laughs> Before it. Before it even and comes cert- out. <laughs> and certainly the best Sandman. Oh, the only Sandman we'll ever have. <laughs> yes. And that terrible shirt that is genetically just linked to him. Uh so thanks again. As I said, we're going to be going on a little bit of hiatus, but I think we earned it. We just put out like, like 10 episodes in 10 weeks, which we haven't done since the beginning. So oh, I'm just yeah, amazed. It's great. It's been spectacular. Drum's going to go on vacation. I'm going to take a little bit of time off. We're going to come back to you with plenty of nerd news reviews and fun. We will keep being your nerdy co-hosts. If you guys keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. <laughs> oh, I did again. Robot arm. There it is. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how! How?